You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we continue a look at writer-director Martin Scorsese with his films The Color of Money and The Last Temptation of Christ. Joining me once again for this theme and this episode is returning guest, Mr. Ben Teed. Hi, Eric. Hello, everyone. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what are you drinking this evening? I'm not having anything alcoholic. It's school night for me. For sure. Uh, Also, I don't have anything in the house. How dare you? Um, Right, I know. You can't even, like, I I wish I had one of those, like, delivery methods with all the COVID stuff. If only, Um, if only Christ could turn something from water to then wine. Well, that's what, that's, that was my joke. I was kind of, I stepped on it. But then I was like, that's too, that's such a dad joke. I can't do that. But then I go, wait, (laughs) I am a dad. I can do this now. That's right. No, I just have a regular Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Uh, wow. That was a twenty ounce from dinner, but yeah, we're yeah. It's, diesel, it's, the, the it's straight a, diesel Coke. Just yes, the just, just diesel. Reg- I went Coke yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah, I mean Coke would have been a good joke for next episode, uh. honestly. But I mean, it's fine. That's true. Well, he he probably was on Coke during these films. Uh, um, the yeah, director, I would say, probably in the color of money. There's a lot of uh, drug use suggested sure. in that film. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he struggled with. I think he. Struggled yeah, he struggled with, with alcohol addiction or with a uh, drug addiction. Did he not? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not that I'm making fun of that or anything. I just, oh right, just, right, right. I'm yeah. Just if, saying. if people want to, uh, you know, want to pick up Scorsese on Scorsese, he talks a little bit about that, or or the editorial says a little bit about it, or he had uh, like some difficulties or something like that. But you can kind of read between the lines as in terms of that what that means. Totally. Uh, uh, so uh, what I'm having. Uh, it's the same thing that I had last episode. So people, well, last, uh, recording. So people can kind of piece these together if they're real astute listeners as to which episode came where and that, and that sort of thing. But it is a, uh, it's a mason jar, right? So it's a big old, big old glass container. And I'm about halfway through. So I've done a good have, job of pacing so far. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's mostly water. It's mostly water and it is mixed with a, uh, crystal light. Um, packet of, it's like a cranberry, kind of a pomegranate cranberry kind of a thing. And then I've got some, uh, Ooh. some vodka in there. And then I've got, I put a, uh, a tablet, which is like a sodium tablet in there to, uh, Whoa. preserve your, uh, electrolytes. Cause I have to get up early in the morning. So I needed to somewhat behave myself through two recordings so Look that's what i'm being responsible that's right so that's what i'm having i just i just realized now that i'm by the time this releases i'll be 41 and i uh just realized that i cannot act like i am 21 anymore <laughs> no no surprisingly enough uh that's not how it works i guess so at least for me. So anyway, so that's what we are drinking. Those are the films that we are going to be discussing. And of course, we're going to start chronologically. We're in 1986 and the film is The Color of Money. Paul Newman, Tom Cruise in a Martin Scorsese picture. He's got the eye, he's got the stroke, he's got the flake. Vincent's the best. <laughs> 
racehorse here, a thoroughbred. You make him feel good, I teach him how to run. I'm not your daddy, I'm not your boyfriend, so don't be playing games with me. I'm your partner. I love this. And the IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. Pool hustler Fast Eddie Felson finds the young, promising pool player Vincent in a local bar and he sees a younger, and he sees in him a younger version of himself to try and, and make it as in the old days. Wow, this one's brutal. Eddie offers to teach Vincent how to be a hustler. That's not true. After some hesitation, Vincent accepts and Eddie takes him in and his girlfriend, Carmen, on a tour through the country to work the pool halls. However, Vincent's tendency to show off his talent and by doing so, warning off the players and losing money, soon leads to a confrontation with Eddie. Leon Walters, my friend, that was not very well done on IMDb. That was, let me see, two sentences. So not not your best, not your best effort. Uh, so this is the color of money, Mr. Teed. Tell me what you thought about this film. Was this the first time that you had seen it? I've seen The Hustler, and I love The Hustler. Mm-hmm. I did rewatch it for this viewing. However, I had no idea that The Hustler had... It was a, it was like a big surprise for me when we looked at this list, when, when we came up with this list to talk about Scorsese, that there was even a... a uh, I, I had heard the color... I heard the title, Color of Money, uh-huh. and I knew that uh, Tom Cruise was involved in some way, but had no idea that it was a direct sequel oh, to, wow, interesting. To, to the film. So I was really, really excited because I really love the hustler. And, um, I came out the other end of color of money thinking it was a fine film. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> okay. Like I came out of it just going, Oh, I'm so excited because what a great idea to have, uh, someone younger. It's just like a, like a sports movie, you know, yeah. it's like, it kind of reminded me of cars, honestly, which also had Paul Newman in it. But like, to, to the to a certain degree like you have to beat the 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 winner from the last film in some ways or you know it's almost like a like like a rocky or or you know like any of those other sports films where where you you know you have the older 
you know, a uh, wiser person who's gone through it, who's yeah. gone through the, the crap before. And then, uh, the young, young buck coming up, but it was just so basic mm. that I just, I came out the other end feeling it was just fine. Like even the script and everything was just, just, it was just fine. There wasn't anything really terrible about it. I really just kind of didn't necessarily respond the way, but like, even I, I can't like be mad at the film for what it wasn't. Uh-huh. And, uh, and someone like, like there were characters within the film that I would have rather spent more time on than someone like Tom Cruise's Vincent. Like I didn't really find Vincent and his problems necessarily. And, and with his, with his girlfriend, Carmen played by Mary Elizabeth. Uh, what is her name? Mastrantonio. Yeah. Um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Yeah, and, and and like there was characters there. There was John Turturro that had like an interesting uh, uh, line that you know, or not line, but had an interesting arc with 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 Paul Newman that really didn't get to finish. Almost okay. Like they uh-huh. they, had, they they had some like history and stuff like that. I would have rather like spent some time on or um, a very interesting like the movie sh- literally should have been about um, uh, this guy. I, I don't know his character name, but it, it was Forrest Whitaker. That oh, later yeah, yeah, yeah. comes in and takes and takes out uh and takes Paul Eddie Newman. Down, yeah. They yeah. like like really shows fast Eddie like starts starts to hustle him like like an insanely uh uh skilled hustler. And spending the spending the movie on something like that, it's like it, it only gives you peeks into like the world of Fast Eddie post um um hustler, but they could have really turned it on its head but it just ended up being kind of a more predictable route that the script took i wouldn't necessarily hold it against someone like scorsese since you know he's famous for saying the isn't he isn't he famous one famous for saying one for me one for them or is uh, that somebody that's else a steven soderbergh thing i believe oh fair, fair enough but still all the same like you know but it's the same idea yeah because it's he the same idea yeah. yeah 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 because they said uh and we'll talk about this with the next film where in order to get that finance, they said, "Hey, you need to do one for us," and that ended up being Cape Fear. Ah, so okay, there we go. Okay, so I've seen Cape Fear, and I have some thoughts about it. But <laughs> but it's the same thing with with Color Money, where it's like these lesser films paired up with. It seems like with that within the chapter of of these books of this book that we're reading, uh, Scorsese and Scorsese, mm-hmm. like each chapter is there's a really good film paired with. Or a film that I consider to be like a classic or a masterpiece by Scorsese, and it's paired with a merely okay, like you know, not terrible film, but mm-hmm. completely watchable, but and enjoyable, but like nothing really. It's it's you know, it's not like he's cranking out every single film as a masterpiece or whatever. And he's, right, right. You know, and and it's fascinating to watch a director like him compared to a director like you know Steven Spielberg or or um or even like Stanley Kubrick or something like that where the way that they decide to work on their next projects is interesting. That's really kind of the point of, of, um, that's really kind of, that's really kind of the, the, the point of this book that we're reading. Mm-hmm. I feel like, cause I don't really get a ton of insight into the films themselves. He, it, and, and, and I guess I, I guess it makes sense that we wouldn't, right? Because the, he, it's like the director saying, well, the film should stand for itself and you should be able to, to, you know, get what you can out of it. And I do, I, I, I sit there and I enjoy everyone, but you know, to varying degrees, some of them are a little bit more chores than the other. I'm going to go ahead and start this new batch of films, uh, in the, in this new line of, of Scorsese. I don't know if these are all coming out together or if this is the new batch of uh, something. This will else be, or this is the second burst. The, 
This so, is the start of the second season, uh, if you will. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, more or less. This is okay. uh, this is recording six. They're coming out in fours. Okay, good because yeah. I'm going to start this new quote unquote season with a shocker of I think at this point in Scorsese's career, he is completely to me an overrated director. Now, wow, but, I love but, it. But, but, but <laughs> I, with that comes a lot of caveats because he's doing interesting things. It's it and and he's in an interesting part of his career and he's made masterpieces like, um, like uh, like After Hours for me and uh, what was the other ones that I really liked King of Comedy. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me not to say Taxi Driver. Taxi is, Driver, it, Raging Bull. It's it's hard not to say that Raging Bull was harder for me, but yeah, I, I can see the I, I, you know. I honestly, I, I put I put Alice doesn't live there doesn't live here anymore above it. But but like I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on, and you can see you can see the experimentation, you can see all the cool stuff in here. But I don't really at this point think he's really put out his best stuff quite yet. Interesting. Like and it's crazy because because for me the highest high for me right now, even though I rank it lower. Uh, is After Hours. I've had so much fun with that film, and it was such a great surprise to me. And the feeling of it, like the feeling and the look of it, in comparison to some of his other work, it's just it's gotten to a point where I'm like, oh, I thought he was. I actually thought he was better in this. Like I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I actually thought that some of these performers were better and stuff like that. You know, and and it's kind of fascinating looking at it, looking at some of the stuff in 2020 and feeling like, eh, okay, Color Money, that was all right. Like you know, even even something like uh, in between Color Money and Last Temptation, I watched uh, Bad. Oh, right, right. Um, it's like a 16-minute film with a four-minute music video at the end or whatever. And even that was like, oh, okay, it, it's, it's fine. Like, obviously, the real talent here isn't necessarily the the direction of this music video. It's it's clearly, you know, Jackson. But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, you know, I can imagine this really, really impressing, but nothing about the narrative or – or the the direction of this thing is really turning my head. It's just the skill that Michael Jackson has as a performer. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of the same thing here. Like, like um, uh, be- before I ask you the same question of what of what you're asking me, I just want to say like I do kind of feel like you know Newman hasn't lost a step. He's still electric. Uh-huh. Tom Cruise is clearly uh-huh. a movie star. You know, it's fun to see character actors like John Turturro and and Forrest Whitaker come out and 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 kind of do all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of a lot of craziness. There, there's not a lot of there's not a ton of callbacks to um, the Hustler, which is fine too. I mean, this this film should be able to work just fine on its own. But I I do kind of come out the other end of of um, of seeing color of money as merely a you know like not a misfire or a misstep but just you know a, a fun time but nothing much more than that amusing mm-hmm. you know but but um do you have any i mean did you watch this growing up did you did you have any feelings for color of money before this and what are your feelings now uh, i'd seen this before i don't um i didn't have like a great affinity for it uh when i was growing up like i knew what it was i knew it was tom cruise right before he was huge Tom Cruise and Top Gun and, and what have you is post risky business. Like it details in the book where it talks about uh, how he saw him in all the right moves. And that was the kind of thing where he's like, yeah, I think that this guy's got it. I could work with this guy. And um, so I guess I, so I guess I liked the film significantly more than you did, <laughs> which is, oh, yeah. which is kind of interesting because I feel like, uh, sort of surprising to me that we are responding to different works of Scorsese's. 
throughout the films. Like I thought that, uh, like I thought After Hours was fine, but it wasn't one that it was I was going like crazy over. And so then it's funny that I liked The Color of Money uh, quite a bit more than you did. And I think that what I liked about it is what you had brought up there towards the end was you had mentioned the cast with Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. And my first note that I wrote down was, God damn, I can just watch Paul Newman do anything like all day. Oh, yeah. Right. Movie star incarnate. Right. Really. And I think that what Scorsese does here is, yes, it is much more of a studio picture. It's a sports film. It's got the structure that is uh, easily identifiable because he's he's got the mentor character who's either going to die off or he's going to have to play him at some point. Right. Like that's just kind of how it's going to go, especially in a, in an individual event, like what pool would be, especially, you know, specifically nine ball that they're playing. So whether uh, I put, whether that's Paul Newman trying to sell bourbon or hustle, you know, pool game, the whole movie, like I could just watch him talk to people. And I think that what Scorsese does a good job of here is he gets out of the way. More or less. Like, he, he, ah. you don't see a lot of tracking shots. You don't see a lot of Scorsese-isms. Because, There's no fingerprints of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's got such big personalities that he's dealing with, with not only the character of Eddie Felsen, but it's Paul freaking Newman. And, then and you're in Tom, the shadow of one of his best – it's in the shadow of one of his best performances right. ever. One of, yeah, one yeah, of his yeah. finest films he's ever made. And, and, and we know cinematically – uh, how much how much religious that is to someone like Marty, right? And you he, know, like, you know, so and, who is he to like get in the way of that, right? And it's, that makes uh, total sense. And it's like you know, it it wasn't a film that was just thought of as like a popcorn film because I mean, Paul Newman did win the Academy Award for Best Actor in this in this film uh, for this year, and I think that what it does is it's such a good job of casting or, you know, it's not like this went to a casting director. It was like, Hey, we want Tom Cruise for this. Hey, Paul Newman talked Scorsese basically into making this film, right? Is what the book had detailed saying, look, I've got this project. I want you to do it. And they kind of worked on it together, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is based on uh, a novel. Uh, it's also uh, was written by Richard Price, who is a novelist as well. Uh, so that's, that's fairly interesting. Um, the, uh, the author also wrote, uh, The Hustler. So same, same world, same original voice anyway. But, uh, so I think that what he does here is he, he puts the people in the positions to succeed. And I think that that's sort of what you hope for out of like your leader on a project or in this case on a film set is Scorsese is in charge, but he's allowing Paul Newman to be his most Paul Newman. Right. And he, oh, yeah. cause he's just like a, a little bit of an older guy who's smooth talking the middle aged women and trying to teach the younger people who don't appreciate him what to do, where to go, how to be. And then you got Tom Cruise who is just like energy incarnate in this movie and oh, he's yeah. obnoxious and you're not supposed to really like him. And I don't like him. And I'm just like, God, I wish someone would just punch him in his face. Because, but he's so good at, at playing obnoxiousness, right? Yes. Because whether that's just who he is in in reality, or he's just good at playing cocky, like he is uh, specifically like when he's doing he's doing the martial arts moves when he first meets him, and I'm like, oh my god, is this is this person a lot 
to handle. And so I think that, uh, so some of the things like when he talks about how he makes human moves, right? Like he says, human moves, kid. And he talks about the setup and him and, and Carmen have like a deal that they're kind of using Vincent and Vincent is really naive. And, and so as soon as you see Vincent getting played, the natural sort of structure of it would be like, oh, okay. So eventually Vincent is going to be the one that plays Eddie. Right, he's going to be you the just, one. You that, just know, yeah, you yeah. do right at the outset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's happen. one of those where the the end result is known. Like many sports films, it's just a matter of if you're enjoying getting there or not. Did you? I was gonna. Did you enjoy that? Like, did you like seeing that structure as as someone who who understands the structure of the script like that and everything? Did do you? Would you say that maybe that's a leading question? Um, <laughs> do, do, like. Is that something when you watch this film you come to appreciate by seeing that, or or, or do you often find that some, when it comes to a film like this that that gets in the way? Like if it's too obvious, like if it's yeah, too... like like here, I feel like it's too. I think we both can agree that it's a little obvious where it's going to go. Yeah. And for me, that was like, oh well, that's disappointing because because it would almost be more interesting if this happened or that happened, and I find myself. Uh, 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 counting against the film for something that it's not. Mm. Whereas if I was like a little bit more like you, maybe I could step back and go, ah, look at this nice structure. Look at this strong skeleton of a sports movie that they turned into a billiards film, you know, and, and, and fast Eddie is one of the, one of the coolest characters in, in cinema, you know, mm-hmm. you could, you could put him on a top 10 list of the coolest characters, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but like, you know, when it comes to, this film, like, I just, there's something about it for me that it's, it's hard for me to get out of that. Did you necessarily, I mean, what, what, what is it about this film for you that like is that, uh, well, I mean, you, I think you're the one that's maybe a little bit more for it and, and I'm just, yeah, I guess well, I'm trying to get it. Yeah. Here's, here's what I think about seeing the structure is I don't mind it as long as it's well done. Uh, I, th- I think that, and I, the example that I go to, I feel like a lot in, in how this is done well is, uh, is somebody like John Krasinski's A uh, Quiet Place. To where when he makes that film, everything that he sets up is paid off, right? Where you have the, uh, where you have the space shuttle that it, the kid makes the noise with. Right? Like he has it at the very beginning, it makes the noise, he gets killed. You have the nail, the nail goes through the person's foot. And like you have all of these things that are very clearly established and set up and you're like, oop, I know that's gonna come up here soon. But he does it well. And it's not telegraphed, it's not like trying to feel like it's tricking you. And so I can appreciate that. And here, I feel like it does this something similar to where you have Eddie who is He's very confident in the fact that he knows all of the moves, right? Like he thinks, ooh, I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. Vincent is just a hothead dumbass that doesn't know anything. And then as you start watching the film, you start realizing that Eddie is too self-assured, even though he feels like he's been beaten down and is human and is humble because he's not humble, right? Like he gets beat by Forrest Whitaker because he thinks he's – fooling this kid when the kid's fooling him, right? He doesn't believe that that Eddie could pull one over on him because he sees all the moves, he thinks. And so I think when you 
you slowly get that structure of the person that thinks they know everything doesn't know as much as they think that they do. It's the, it's really similar to me to any sort of like a good heist kind of a film. Like mm-hmm. we talked about Soderbergh with the oceans films or something like that. Yeah. Where it's all set up and you're, you see what's going to happen. And then it's just the enjoyment of watching it get paid off. And I think part of the, I think part of what it could be is, I wonder what it would be like if you watched this with someone that is not as film literate. Like if I watched this with my wife, she would not, she would not be thinking about, Oh, Eddie's probably going to get screwed. Oh, Vincent's probably going to have one last trick that he's going to pull on him. Right. Like she would just be in the moment, not thinking about those sorts of things. And so the ending would be, would be more of a surprise or more of a payoff for her as opposed to, oh, yeah, I saw the sort of double cross or I saw that, you know, that uh, Vincent ended up, he kept saying the thing he won't do is lay down for someone. He's not good at it. He's not good at it. He can't do it. And then he does for Eddie and Eddie doesn't know it, right? Because Eddie's whole story is he's got this, he's got to have it. Like he's feeling alive again, being on the road and, and helping uh, hustle people again. And right. then when he gets hustled, it's... It, I, I think it's I think it's a a note that's expected, but it's still played well, right? To where I think that if you kind of see the gears, you might think, oh, okay, yeah, well, of course he went there. It is a little satisfying too to see the hustler get hustled mm-hmm. by pretty much a young, like the young, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's like he never saw it coming from uh-huh. this from this guy, and and. You know, he's so skilled and he's so used to this one way that, you know, he starts to see this other guy do it in a very different way. And, and, and what's kind of fun for these actors, I'm sure, the, the reason why the, the part is just so juicy is because it's all about acting. It's all about. Oh, yeah. Who can you trust? All, yeah. It's, it's all about, it's all about trying to just imagine yourself as this real badass. And, and they know, they know that they're skilled and they know that they're good and they have to be, but like, they have to pretend like they're, they have to pretend like they're bad or they have to pretend like there's someone different. And, th- and that there's an essence of acting within that, of, of the performance that makes it that, that, I mean, that was what was, that was what was so compelling about the hustler mm-hmm. and about watching, you know, uh, Minnesota fats and stuff like that. And the thing is, that's the other thing that's kind of missing from this film. I'm not trying to say like, like, you know, but there, there's, the, you know, the George C. Scott character from the first film, yeah. you know, and how, and how, you know, the, the danger behind, you know, his, his, uh, line of stuff that was going on. Um, but like the, the, the intrigue kind of in this one for me, like the entry point was this, like, I don't know, like there was this strained relationship, you know, between, um, Vincent and, um, Carmen. Uh-huh. And like and like and 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 watching Fast Eddie kind of like, you know, in the background, you know, it, you know, when when Vincent isn't looking, they're hustling him, you know, and stuff like that. And so, like, yeah, that they, well, they're that they're all hustling like, each other, right? Like yeah, they're all working like they're, each other. They're all criminals. They're all going to be, you know, mean to each other in that way. And and I just wish that stuff was more interesting. Mm. I wish that stuff had more had held more more weight and more stakes than than what it did because it just felt so small potatoes in comparison to the what felt like huge potatoes at at uh at, in the hustler you know i know i know it's hard to it's hard to they're two completely different films 
despite being, you know, one being a sequel to the other. But at the same time, like, I just felt like they were, like, in order to make this one truly great, like, it just, it seemed like, yes, it had the structure of the sports, of the, of the sports film, and, and the exciting, in the exciting, like, watching this, like, handing over of the reins almost in some mm-hmm. ways, mm-hmm. but also just, you know, there, my in wasn't, I don't know. My in just wasn't wasn't strong enough to to captivate me. I guess, mm-hmm. and it's hard it's hard for me to describe. I suppose, uh, in in other words, yeah, you know, because I, I find myself wanting more of this of those other side characters and being like, well, what's going on with them? And 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 I don't know. Maybe I just don't find maybe that's my way of saying like Vincent isn't interesting enough because he is just like this kid. He he is literally kind of a child, like doing karate chop moves and, <laughs> and, and, and thinking that he's just the coolest guy ever. Yeah. And, 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 and he does, and he does, he, he does feel that way about himself. They all do about mm-hmm. themselves, but I don't know. It's like when you, when you put this karate chop and Tom Cruise next to Minnesota fats or something like that, it's just, you can't compare for me. Well, I, and I think it, I think it's also the, the eras. Like, I think that you, when you look at a film like this, that That's is true. made in the middle of the eighties, you know what? That's a very good point because when you walk into the Hustler, it is it's out, straight out of time. It is a snapshot of that era. It's classic. They they look cool. Their their dress looks like the way they dress and their hats and everything. It's so cool looking. Mm-hmm. And then in the color of money, not that it's bad or anything, but it's like from thirty some years ago where you know all the style, all the music, all that stuff is pure eighties. Uh-huh. And and. Actually, I think this might be one of like the quintessential '80s films that I've seen in terms of style. Oh well, because, sure. Well, I mean, it's Tom Cruise. I mean, he goes from here, and he's got you know things like Top Gun and Cocktail, all and just clothes, so, all yeah. the the jukebox. Everything is just so '80s, and and like I said, not nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I, yeah, I guess it was just more of it's not really an update of the Hustler, or it's not like a passing of the torch of the Hustler. It's more like just a le- it's just to me all around a lesser experience than the hustler and maybe I shouldn't be making that comparison as strongly but still I just you know it's it's my end of the film it's my end of fast yeah. eddie yeah, and knowing I mean, you, what you he's bring into through. it what you bring into it right it feels like all the stakes that came from the hustler and the character of fast eddie just gets a reset at the start of at the start of uh color money mm-hmm. like and and it really kind of starts from from nothing for me mm-hmm. um and maybe that maybe that's the point, but but I don't know. It just feels like I don't know. He, yeah. He's so he's so he could have been so much more meaner to the to the greenhorn. You know, he could have been so much more uh, uh so much more disgusting uh. to 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 Vincent. And I don't know. I it, this this is interesting because when we get into the next film. Like it's almost like I want these films to go harder. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I want them to. I want them to kind of hurt the well, characters a little bit. That's what you sort of think of with Scorsese, right? Is down, dirty, yeah. hard hitting, gritty, violent sort of films. And, and I would, you look at and it I now, go, and you're like, eh, I mean, I guess you, you look at some of my you look at some of my favorites from Scorsese, like Taxi Driver and After Hours. I would say he does. He makes them. He puts them through the freaking ringer, mm-hmm. and and they they are they are squashed and torn apart and mashed and in all sorts of ways. And and it's and I just feel like this is. It seems very. I wouldn't say clean, but very neutered. I suppose. And hmm. what it and what it feels like because 
Fast Eddie from from however long ago. I don't know what the time between the films were. Uh, sixty one um, to uh, to eighty to eighty six. So twenty five years. Oh, 20, oh wow. Okay, so yeah, a quarter of a century later. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because I think uh, you know the only things that I really didn't that I didn't enjoy as much in this uh, or things that I wish would have been more impactful for me was I didn't know that I loved uh, when Tom Cruise was not on the screen because there's a good chunk of the film when he goes away, right? They oh, yeah. have, they have their falling out and then it's solely Paul I'm Newman's going to film. City. Yeah. And they're going to go up there and, you know, he continues not to listen to, uh, to Eddie and and this is when we get the sections where uh, Forrest Whitaker hustles uh, Eddie and that sort of thing that we already talked about but I wished there would have been more of he's getting older and uh, can't physically do it anymore aside from when he gets the glasses and has a very striking resemblance to Stan Lee I was like uh okay <laughs> you know he gets those glasses and then he's, oh, yeah. he's totally fine but there's a moment where his hand's shaking earlier in the film, and it's like, oh, okay, this is why he's quit. This is why he's selling whiskey and he's not playing pool anymore. It's not that he's emotionally beat up. It's that he realizes he's not as good as he wants to be or thought he was or used to be and that sort of thing. But it turns out, no, like, he's fine. <laughs> he's just as good. And I and so I didn't love Weird, that, yeah. I guess. I didn't love that, I guess. Because, you know, you the thing we get at the end is, you know, he's back. He's uh, he's just going to be hustling again, and and this is his character has uh, sort of given things up and is just going to be going town to town, and uh, that's that's uplifting in terms of the way that the character feels about it. But as an audience member, I was like, ah, that's not great for you. Like, what kind of a life is that? Like, that's not going to be good. So, no, it's kind of an interesting way for it to end there, but. I like the color, you know, there's, it seems very, um, I don't know, in some ways mute, muted, uh-huh. semi, like it's not a very colorful film. It's a little drab, maybe right. to me, I don't know, I, I, color's hard with me, but I will say like, like in general, the, that invokes like this like dingy dark feeling. Whereas with the black and white of the hustler, like, you know, you all you have is this like classic look, you know, all you have is like, you know, the grays of, of the table and the, and the, and the balls and stuff like that, that are going around, you know, the, with this, they had, they have an opportunity to be a little bit more, uh, uh um, I guess flashier mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they, they, they had, they had the opportunity to, but I don't think they did too much. It was very, very understated. Yeah. Uh, throughout, throughout. So I, I actually did not mind that. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh-huh. What we haven't really talked about, uh, the Carmen character that much. What did you think of her? Because she is playing the sort of the object, the sort of controller that, you know, she's, she's kind of got what in the eighties would, would be like a femme fatale sort of a role. I almost expected Carmen, uh, I almost expected her to, to do a little bit more. Um, because yeah, she, she, she is given, it's a, it's a woman in a film in the eighties with something to do. Um, and she's able to, uh, kind of play them both. And you almost kind of, I almost kind of wish the movie ended with her kind of winning in some ways because it would have been more fun to watch these two, you know, as skilled as they are and as cool as they are 
it's fun to watch Fast Eddie get shown up by Forrest Whitaker. It's fun to right. watch um um Tom Cruise with his with as much charisma as he has his his Vincent uh lose <laughs> Wearing to this another fucking shirt that says Vincent on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He does need to get punched in the face and it almost is satisfying when they tease you well, about it does. and then they yeah. and then they finally do and then it's like, "Oh good." It would be such a such a it's such a shame that this movie doesn't take advantage of um, Master, what is her name? Master Antonio. <laughs> Sorry, Mary Elizabeth. Master Antonio, yeah, Master Antonio. She uh, was she in. Was, uh, she's from the Abyss, from uh, Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, from that's the Perfect where I Storm. Know her from yeah. is Robin Hood because yeah. it was right around this time that. And it, I used to watch, yeah, because I used to, watch, I used to watch that a lot, and the thing yeah. I remember the most is when she screams the Robin piece at the end. Yes, and then uh, Alan Rickman says Loxley. Like I like Locksler. I've, I've, I've yeah. oh, man, that that's really good. so often. Forrest, or not Forrest, but, um uh uh Morgan Freeman and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah, sure yeah. that's one of those where that movie I bet is much better than in my memory because I'm sure it is trash. Oh it's pro- it most likely <laughs> it totally is. Um But this yeah, was her okay. uh this is like her third she was in uh, Scarface in a smaller role, but this is her second real uh performance. Oh no! And I thought she okay. was. I thought she had a very tough job of trying to compete with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman uh, in her second role. You know what? That's, I that she that's probably why she didn't register as hard because you yeah. have the charisma of these two giants, and it's and it's got to be it's got to be tough trying to be this like silky, you know, uh, snake like, yeah, uh, uh, sneaky person when they're so snake-like and sneaky already so it's like it, it's almost like i don't know well i don't want to say she fell short but i almost kind of wish the script did a little bit more yes with her, that's exactly what i was more. gonna say i was gonna say ben can you think of a of a time when a scorsese film has been really successful with women besides alex alice doesn't live here anymore not up to this point that's the only example i was gonna say because, because that's centered around a woman but otherwise he he doesn't have films that have a lot of strong women in them like they're strong women roles but they're not the movies aren't about those roles and i would say i would i would argue that yeah probably back in 77 mm. uh new york new york with um liza, liza, minnelli, liza, yeah. liza minnelli i would say from the get-go francine is not she's not exactly a shining example of of someone who i mean she rolls over for de niro's character in new york new york you know uh but someone like uh like rita keen uh who plays uh I think it's Dinah or Diane or whatever from King of Comedy. Like, uh, oh, she's, yeah, a, yeah, okay. she's, she kind of takes what she wants and ends up, uh, I think that's her, right? Um, ends up, uh, tying Jerry Langford to a chair and, you know, gets mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. kind of be a cra- crazy person to her or whatever, to him, I guess. <laughs> right. But I don't know. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not what we're looking for. Uh, but <laughs> I will say, I just, I, in general, no. I, I mean, that's, that's an easy one because. Yeah. I and and like it, it's kind of hard because we I don't think we can place all that blame on Jess Scorsese. No. He's just another person that has helped perpetuate that throughout the decades. Yeah, you're you know? right because he I mean he's selecting films based on what he wants to say and and I would rather him not uh have a film that is trying to be um Oh, I've got to make my woman picture or something, right? Like yeah. I would rather him say what he knows. You know, it's like it's that whole like write what you know. And if he doesn't have a voice that can 
be where a, a like a like there's a leading lady or something like that it, during this time. That's fine. It's that's fine for, for me. Because it's hard he, for me to. He's I'm later. Sorry, he's later got things like casino where there's a really significant role there. Uh, the same thing with like the Age of Innocence. That's obviously a much different type of film. But he's he does some things. But he is a specific type of director, right? Where it, he is he makes very masculine films you know, what he does. So I'm not expecting him to be something that he's not, but it's just uh more and more striking to me as we go through these. It's like, wow. Yeah. He does. He really has secondary roles for most of the women and they're just kind of there for one sort of note. And then they're gone. That is his kind of like that. That's his genre. That's his, that's the stuff that he loves. He likes these types of films. He celebrates these types of films. Like it's the ones he goes after and the ones he wants to make. No, but, but also I think that he's used to making films like that and loves films like that. The genres, all the, all those things. But I think I heard the other day that, um, you know, to expect a bit of culture to be woke from something from a time that just culture just simply wasn't. Yeah. Is kind of hard. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, like, yes, this is such a, this is such a out of left field thing. And I'm sorry, I'm talking out of my ass here a little bit, but I do, I do kind of feel like birth of a nation while yes, it, it, it was the Avengers of its day. Like it's extremely problematic today and, and very kind of upsetting and scary because it's, it's the Ku Klux Klan being, you know, the heroes of the story and saving a white woman and stuff like that. But the mastery behind it and the, and the, you know, all the things that were happening to, to build that story and the technology and stuff like that, you can appreciate those things. You know, it's kind of like here, like, no, color money isn't woke, but it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, treating its women characters or, or, or anything like that in any capacity. But at the same time, you know, you, you, there is an element of, of like, you know, well, this was a time where they weren't, they weren't being better. Mm. Um, and and this is you know I wouldn't necessarily blame I wouldn't I wouldn't put it all on all all on these on the filmmakers films. or the people yeah 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 that makes sense because it's yeah you can't retroactively it's people, expect it's the people, progress. To... It's the people in the culture that that weren't there and yeah you like you said you can't you can't put it all on their shoulders. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, is there anything else uh, about this one that you would like to mention? Uh, the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the music, really. But you uh, you brought up that it is very, you know, it's the eighties. <laughs> it's an eighties explosion. This, this actually, uh, that might be kind of the best part of it for me is 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 all the music being used in it. Um, Scorsese is known for using a yeah, lot of his favorite yeah. rock and stuff like that. And all that stuff is very, um, I mean, it's it, all that stuff is very uh, popular. He using pop music and pop rock and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's fun. You got, you know, Warren Z, Warren <laughs> I, love Z, that, I love that. You don't want to, you don't want to compliment it. I mean, it, it, it's fun. <laughs> it, well, no, I mean, it's stuff I've grown up with. Yeah. So it, it, it's always been in my background. Warren Zevon, uh, Werewolves of London and stuff like that. Like that's just always on, you know, the radio, you know, you know, and when, when I was in school and stuff like that, like, you know, um, what else we got here? I'm sorry. I got this little list. Muddy Waters, mm-hmm. Eric Clapton, Don Henley, BB King, 
Um, of course, one more night with Phil Collins. That's got a very famous scene attached oh, yeah. to it and stuff like that. So, I mean, the whole thing is so 80s and so, you know. But I think that's kind of fun. It's the, the, I said I do want I do want to compliment it because it's it, it's a time capsule, just mm. like just like the film itself. It's just the other film. I guess maybe what I got I got to stop thinking of it as like. This isn't like The Empire Strikes Back, the next chapter in the Fast Eddie Felsen trilogy or anything like that. It's just, it's another film that also stars this character. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, and the struggles 25 years later, and it's gonna be very of the times, and, and, I don't know, I guess, you know, maybe I, maybe my expectations were too high for Color Money or anything like that, but I just, I just, I liked it. Yeah, I, you, love it, I mean, you know. maybe you just wanted it to be better than it was. Lesser, lesser. I've seen it called Lesser Scorsese is what it's called. Ooh, what I've heard it called. I like that. Okay. So. Well, I don't know that I would put it in that ballpark because I, I enjoy it. I think of of his films. This is one of the ones where I can just put this on anytime, and I can just watch Paul Newman and Tom Cruise being their on screen personas, and I don't have to worry about what's going on in in this moment and who he's playing at or what his sort of uh you know what his level is compared to the other person like i don't have to worry about uh any sort of plot business i can just watch scene to scene and like it fine you know that's that's, that's actually kinda, that's i, I completely agree with that actually it's just, <laughs> it, it is one of those that, that it, it does feel good mm-hmm. when you're watching it so mm-hmm. Okay, well let's uh let's move on to our second film. It is slightly different. It is from 1988. It is the long gestating film. It is called The Last Temptation of Christ. us a startling vision, an extraordinary story, the last temptation of Christ. And the IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. The Carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth. The Carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth, 
tormented by the temptations of demons, the guilt of making crosses for the Romans, pity for men and the world, and the constant call of God, sets out to find what God wills for him. But as his mission nears fulfillment, he must face the greatest temptation, the normal life of a good man, based not on the Gospels, but on a novel of the same name. Okay, so, Mr. Teed, we, I believe, both grew up in religious households, yes? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Had you seen this film before this? I haven't. I haven't even really seen clips of it, even. Um, so I, I really got to go in blind. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I, do I, do I, do I say the little blurb of how I felt? Yeah, tell me. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, think? I'll just, I'll just jump right in. I, it, it single-handedly is the, uh, best depiction of Christ I've ever seen. Okay. While at the same time not doing enough, uh, interesting things for me. <laughs> mm, interesting. So... Much like the much like the tortured uh, uh, Christ figure in this film, uh, and I really really like the performance um, of Christ. I love the casting idea of of having one of one of the. I think he's a fantastic actor. Oh, uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. yeah, I think Willem's amazing. Um, I've seen him. He's he's in everything. He really is, and 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 he's got one of the most interesting faces mm-hmm. in film all over. Um, and I think he is perfectly casted here. He plays a really tortured side of Jesus that you never see. Um, and that's why it drew, it drew me in with that because I'm like, oh my gosh, he builds crosses, but he's a carpenter. I guess that makes sense. He's down on his luck. He's, he's, you know, he's, you know, 33 and still living in Jerusalem. No, um, he's, he's just doing all these things and is this self-proclaimed self-righteous person. And has to be, and in some ways kind of a dick about it, and has to be, because uh-huh. that's, that is what has been proclaimed in his mind and in his, in his life, and in the world of the film. He is, he is the, you know, it, this was, it was, it was an interesting work of fiction, you know, taken from the Bible. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that? Like, like yeah, the Bible yeah, yeah. is, of course, open to many interpretations and has been, obviously. Uh-huh. But, What's fun about this film is it takes that text and translates it because Jesus was a God being. And in being a God being, you can be valuable. You can make accidents. You can do things that are uh, torturous Mm. and harmful to the self. And that was kind of the fun of the film. My big stickler here is... I just kind of wish that the film would go even further with it. Uh-huh. I don't feel like it went further. I think for the time, 88, I'm just as old as this film. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but this film, for me, as a, as even as a religious document, you know, which it's, it's not, it's, it's supposed to be like this compelling piece of entertainment. It was compelling in a, it, it started to compel. And then when it really got going, it like got rid of it. and you know and, like any of the trippy parts i'll talk yes. about those here in a yes. little while i love that stuff love the part where he's in the circle and the lion appears and satan comes as a big waft of smoke and it, it's so much fun to see that stuff and then it just gets to be real uh literal you know 
like Jesus is suddenly a party man and likes uh, to change change uh, the water into wine and stuff like that. It's like there's no metaphor surrounding that. Like there's no greater. You don't want to put that in a different context at all. Like you could have really said something with that, but it's mm-hmm. just nope. It's just blunt blunt. It's like a book of the Bible. It just says what happens. Because the great thing about um, I think it's the book of Matthew that this is based off of as well. The the book the book that the first that, yeah the first gospel. The first gospel right. of of Matthew. Well, because Matthew, but, Mark, Luke, and John are all the the same. It's the same story, just different perspectives. Exactly, but 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 I'm saying based. So they took the book of Matthew, and then I forget the author's name, but he turned it into a book. Oh and yeah, using that book that his wife gave him. Well, his soon to be wife eventually would become his wife Barbara. Um, she gave him that. She gave Marty that book, and then. He read it and loved the idea of making Christ valuable, making him more, more human, making him more tortured, making him more, you know, of a, of a, uh, relatable, you uh-huh. know, in that way. Yeah. Um, that's what's kind of great about, or that's what's kind of weird about the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is just they just kind of plainly just tell you what happened. Right. Without any sort of inference as to what does this stand for? What does this mean? And stuff like that, which is why, you have all these sects and you know all these divisions of what the Bible means and what the answers where the answers truly lie and stuff like that. And so, yes, that's fun and yes, that's great for discussion. But at the same time, when you are when you are uh, relaying that down into a novel and then he's taking that novel and turning it into film, there is this moment there are these these t- tiny moments where I'm like, okay, like like it. it when it comes to those scenes like Lazarus, which was very creepy, like that was fun. Like it was fun to like yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that like messed up stuff, but it almost didn't go any further than that. Like in some ways, some of the, some of these scenes, not the film itself, but some of these scenes didn't really do anything different than what you would see in something like the passion of the Christ or one of those films that is entirely religious, like, uh, worshipful films, uh-huh. yeah, you know that 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 aren't that aren't that interesting to me because it's this infallible being that walks around and people just bow down and that's it. It's just not that entertaining and 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 whatever. And and maybe that's not the point of those films, but for this Martin Scorsese like art picture where you know you see the the torment and pain and the this weird trippiness coming from Willem Dafoe. It's it's more fun for me to to see these these uh, these interpretations uh, brought about, uh, which ultimately lead to uh, an ending that actually kind of worked for me, mm. um, which which we can get into. But I want to go back and put a put a pin in that and maybe come back to your side of the stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So here, one of the things that I wrote toward the end of the film kind of sums up what I thought about this. I put what an absolutely joyless slog. And what I mean by that is I think that this is one of those films where it is in quotation marks important. And what that sometimes means is there's no, there's no left. There's like not enough levity to balance out how self-serious it is at times. And it's not like I am I'm, I'm wanting Jesus Christ to be making jokes, right? I don't need him to be like one of the Avengers who 
all are <laughs> popping jokes. I don't need all of the uh, the 12 disciples to be like the freaking Avengers or something, right? With all the same voice and making the, the same Bro- sort of jokes. Brooklyn accent. Yeah, really. Now, that that's what that's uh that's a nice little sidetrack. So, what did you think about that about having all of these New York actors playing the Jews and then you have all of these uh British actors playing the Romans? Did not bother me at all because What's fun about that is it makes it kind of like a play. If I were to go off Broadway and see yeah. a play, yeah. and you see these actors that are going to act the way they are, and, and you know, it's kind of like the the Romeo and Juliet mm. uh, with Leo DiCaprio, as as, yeah, as corny yeah, yeah. and as stylized. silly as it can be, it's stylized in that way, and it's fun. But it also makes me pay attention more. Some might find it distracting, and I totally get that. I totally understand why someone would not like that. And in fact, I think my wife. When she was kind of like popping in and out of the film, she was out in the kitchen doing something and she'd come back in and go, what is this? Go, what is this? Uh, okay. And then like pop back in and, oh, has he, has he had the, the thing yet or this happened yet? And I'm like, no, no, no. you know, it's, we got two, we got two more hours. We're 40 minutes in. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So it's like there's, <laughs> there's elements of, of what's happening that the, the aesthetic of the voices mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and even someone like Harvey Keitel, Sitting there and with his with his dye job, you know, red dye job that happened and curly yeah, what hair. a strange, what a strange look for him. But I kind of, I love the strangeness. I kind of wish that it would be a, like that's like what I'm be, saying. This that's whole what time. you wanted more of. Okay, you can just you can just go whole hog on get, making the trippiest Jesus movie ever, and I would be like, yes, like we should. That's exactly what should happen because, and honestly, kind of open ended and and open to interpretation because I feel like where this ends up going. Is is kind of cut and dry. You don't get mm-hmm. to kind of like make guesses about uh, about what what ends up happening in terms of in terms of the narrative. Like I feel like you know, no, they they were very like heavy handed with everything towards the end, and, right? And, and and see, that's what I didn't like about it was I didn't like the fact that it was taking a book based on a text that says, and then it seems like Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader, who you know, reteaming. It seems like, no, here's how it was, is what I got the impression of is, is, it's just like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna represent, um, this, you know, obviously it's a struggle of his humanity and what is he and what could he be if he gives this up and that sort of thing. But it was, it was some of the things like the water to wine, like the Lazarus stuff, like him being on the cross to where some of it was so, matter of fact and like yep this is what happened just fyi and i was like uh well i mean couldn't you have done more with that like you've got you've got all of these stories to where you could draw upon all of this stuff and that's why i liked moments like the satan figure talking in the as a snake as a literal snake or something and i like the fact that i was like oh okay what would what would this look like what would this look like if this was a, a a story about mental illness instead of him being a Christ, right? Like if oh, this like was that. if this was today, and it's a David Koresh or it's a anybody in any sort of uh, you know <laughs> sort of evangelical sort of position that's saying that they're somebody that's somebody. Um, what would that be like? Because this is all oh it's set way back in the past, so it must have been that way. We don't have a way to prove it. You know, so this is just how it is to where it's like, well, if if this person is doing these same things in a modern era, this person is 
hospitalized, is institutionalized, is killed, is something. Love it though. I love that concept because because that's because even the person going through it is questioning: should I should I be hospitalized? Yeah, should I? Yes, he, he, yes. Christ calls himself a sinner during all, throughout all this. Right. Like that's that's so good. Like you never hear that. I ne- in all of my years of learning about Catholicism and Christianity and everything like that, never once does is there a self deprecating. Uh, uh, or a person who who is uh, angry at themselves, you know, and like even even his smugness. I don't maybe smugness is the wrong word, but like even no, his well, it's, like, it's, I mean, it is it is textbook righteousness, right? It's, yeah, the, the righteousness of coming into the marketplace and just turning over the tables. Oh, now see, in, I did in, not in, like that. I did, I didn't, I liked it in terms of the film, but but I was like, what the fuck is this character doing? Well, well, and and they can't change that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. This is this is, it, it's like, that's why I think it needs to have that weird weirdness, because the moment he does go crazy and start flipping over tables, it's like, oh, he's a psychopath. Like he is yes. not okay, and and like it'd be more easier for us to question him throughout. But it just it's honestly what it was a reminder of was how weird Bible stories were. Oh, absolutely. And how and how bizarre the Bible the Bible fair. Uh, uh, fables are in 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 fables implies like I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be judgmental of of these books people I'm sorry yes I, just, I I'm just trying to find a good language I to will describe. tell you if you believe that a bush was on fire talking to a person come talk to me and I'm and I'm telling you. And I'm trying to tell you, like, I'm Fox Mulder. I want to believe. Like, I want to believe that that happened, but I need to be there to oh, see it. Oh, man. I want, I want to know. And I really want there to be aliens so bad. I'll tell you, I've, I've said this before, and I, I maybe have not said this to you, but one of my favorite stories when I was – one of my favorite classes when I was an undergraduate at uh, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln was – it was Judeo-Christian literature. And so we took the book of the Bible and talked about it as if it was a novel. And so we talked about structure and characterization and plot holes. <laughs> and we talked about all of those sorts of things. Yeah. And it was very much a, let's pretend like this is not real at all. Let's pretend like this is a piece of fiction and just talk about how it's set up and structured and the stories that it's, that it's telling. Is it too on the nose? Is it too obscure? Is it too this? Is it too that? Yeah. And, and I think that's why, that's why it makes this is better than, than it by itself. I think, I think placing that, that like, oh my gosh, like this guy's crazy. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. he needs help. Yes. Oh my gosh. He's, he's full of self doubt and, and that's compelling. Like, Embrace that. Go a little bit yes. further. I think I think he was maybe too timid because Absolutely. he was going to upset the the religious religiousness of of everybody. I mean, it's not. I mean, I, I, I com- listen completely understandable, Marty. I'm not I'm not blaming you for not. I'm just saying the reason why I think this is maybe not the masterpiece that that maybe. I mean, I still think it's a must see in terms of in terms of craft and like understanding Scorsese in general, like understand this is a huge, this is a huge key to unlocking a lot of his, a lot of his work, this, this one piece of work, but the film itself and the chapter within the, 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 the book that we read, Mm -hmm. uh, 
ended up kind of being a big disappointment for me, especially since the chapter sits by itself. And it's no, so long. No, it's so long, but like it really doesn't say much. It just talks it about how it, it it just talks about how hard it was to make, which it's is a, a complete one to one with the film, because it's yeah. so long. But I felt like it didn't say nearly enough. Because yeah. I think, like you were saying, imagine if this was done by someone like, uh, like a Richard Stanley or something, right? That did, uh, the, the Island of Dr. Moreau, that, ter- that terrible movie, but he did, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie, the, uh, that I can't think of, um, not Mandy, but that, that, uh, that was the other director I was thinking of. Um, but, oh. uh, let's see, it is color of, color out of space. Um, but he's very, very trippy. That's a H.P. Lovecraft film. Man, can you imagine like a Mandy like Jesus Tale? Yeah, like, that's exactly I, what I'm I mean, talking about. Like if it was that, a if it was a Mandy type film, that's exactly the type of feeling that I should have when I when I read something as weird as the Bible. Because like you said, like like when you studied the 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 uh, a book of the Bible and you see all these plot holes and you see all these either heavy handedness or or mystical like you know oh what is this alluding to it's 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 not it just doesn't like it it makes more sense to be more lynchian than not you know and i don't i don't mean to always go there because i'm a huge fan of david lynch or anything i'm just saying it's it's it would help me understand more if you were less understanding (laughs) yes yes allow it to be more interpretive less direct and the thing is is if there were more surreal moments it would be so much more fun to watch the moment the moment eric that this young little angel comes up to him while he's dying on the cross naked Mm. i knew right away that was saying i knew right away yes all knew it Everyone that's ever grown up in a religious and in America <laughs> and stuff like that, every story of temptation and stuff like that, I knew this was happening. Well, but then you got <laughs> then you got uh, Curly coming in at the end with his curly red hair, saying, "And it's Judas." And that's compelling. That's yes, cool. Yes, I love that it's Judas because he's like, "I got to do this," but like that's because of the prophecy, not necessarily because I hate you. Because how homoerotic is it that they're sleeping together under a tree mm-hmm. and stuff like that? It's like very mm-hmm. strange. But at the same time, that's kind of great. Like, it's kind of just like, yes, like, that's, that's very weird and very, like, not church. And, <laughs> right, and, yeah. and, and, and I think that's kind of what helps it. But he comes in at the end while Jesus is on his deathbed and like, I, I, you know, I could have had all this, you know, and, and I, and I could have had a good life where I had a family and I didn't get the girl I wanted because she had to die. But, you know, it's, it's just like weird payments and stuff like that. But then he comes in and goes, that little angel isn't, that is, she is Satan. Didn't you know that? And it's like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Are you just now catching up with the rest of us? Because we yeah. all knew that. Yeah. Jesus. Like, where were you at, buddy? <laughs> I love, loved, loved uh, the surprise cameo of David Bowie. Obviously, I'm a huge David Bowie yes, fan. But, <laughs> at the same, but at the same time, he's a perfect Punches pilot. Yes. I, I, I. There the the yes he yes Punch's pilot is is interesting is always an interesting character because he he is on the side of the bad if you're if you're if you're on the side of Jesus but at the same time he just doesn't care yeah he's 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 running he's got a show to run and he's like uh hey crowd you all want. <laughs> 
Jesus? Yeah, Are you fuck sure? all of y'all. Like, this guy's kind of weird. Like, he's crazy and he's self-righteous. Uh-huh. But this guy actually raped and killed people. His name's Barabbas. Are you sure you guys don't want him? Yeah. No? Uh, all right. I mean, I don't really care because I'm kind of I'm kind of a Caesar around here, so I don't really like. Listen, yeah, this is beneath sure? me to really be bothered about. Yeah. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, weird. And he's like, and then he turns to Jesus, is like, are you the king of the Jews? Are you? Uh-huh. And he's just like, well, you say that I am. And he's like, oh, okay, all right, Jesus, all right, calm down. Like, <laughs> yeah, hold I on, love, Jesus. But here, he, it's just such a cool, calm scene, and like. Bowie's so cat-like anyways that it's just kind of like you know that he he has never set foot in any environment that that Jesus has in this film. Mm-hmm. Like he's so worlds away from him that he's just like, well, I just don't really – okay, great. Like he's like, you have fun with that, sir. And it goes back to his – Counting coins or I don't know, whatever Punch's pilot does. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really I really kind of enjoy that. The other I also liked um the weirdness of John the Baptist. Oh yes. Now that I, that I thought was one of the stronger moments. Yes. I think that that's great. You do get to find out what actually happened to John the Baptist, which was he got his head cut off and given to a queen somewhere, and yep. they don't spend much time on it, and it's just like a throwaway line. Uh-huh. That's totally accurate to the story. To Absolutely, the, to the, yeah. To the, to the DC Comics canon of the Bible, <laughs> um, which is what it feels like. It totally feels like, like <laughs> oh, you got to get the canon right, and if, if you don't get it right, the fans will be mad. Uh-huh. You know, you got to make sure Rorschach punches Batman, like, type of shit. <laughs> like, it's that type of stuff. That's not what happened. That's not how Superman looks, yeah, you hey, know, and stuff like that. Come on, get the story right, Wally. Won't exactly, you? yeah. Oh, Ooh. Superman wear Superman and Jesus wear their underwear on the outside. It's not yeah. they they are pro trunks. What you know? So <laughs> one of the things that I thought that I did really think was interesting about that though is I was like, okay, so uh, we have John the Baptist, who again does not seem mentally well. No. Like he, it, I, God damn it! That's the best part. It, literally, God damn it! Yeah. Uh, it is. It is so good that that and and I've always learned throughout all my life. You know, all the Bible schools and stories and stuff like that. Going to Bible summer camp and all. John the Baptist was supposedly in 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 my tellings related to Jesus. Like, yeah, it was always like Jesus cousin or one A is always what I thought yeah. about John the Baptist. Because he was and, like doing Jesus's work. No, he, in this movie, he's just another guy who also sets up camp that is also a crazy person that also claims. And then you watch these two weirdos like bump off of each other, yeah, and start and start to like play their weird ass music to each other and start to start to have a little jam session on the side of like, yeah, I'm digging what you're saying. I'm digging what you're saying too. Awesome. Well, we're both crazy. Well, anyways, see ya. And off they go. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's great. That's a great part of the film. Yeah. It it um, is one of those where I think of that. I think the most important thing that that you've said is that the movie doesn't go far enough, and I think that it is it is it is really strange to me because this like I had hinted at or I guess just said this was a film that took forever to get made, like this was something that he was trying to make for a long long time, and they kept cutting budget and moving characters and he had to recast and then he had to do this and then he did a couple other films and then this I really one. like I like Schrader too. Like I think he's great. I think uh-huh. he's a I think he's a crazy weirdo as well. Uh-huh. And and a, 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 apparently a Calvinist, which yes. is an, a, like a like a arm of Catholicism, so he's crazier than crazy, you know. Yeah, so I well, love, I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
But it, it's like he's got all of these um, – it's like the the film gestated for so long. And then he finally gets a chance to make it and then it's just so straight down the middle. And I was like, what – Martin Scorsese, like, do it makes, something. It, it makes it hard to kind of talk about and to it really is. like – like to like whenever when some if this was bad we'd have we'd be able to talk so much about how stupid and shitty this movie was or uh-huh. whatever. But the fact that it's like kind of good and has like really shining moments and then kind of like eh, like that didn't really work or whatever. Because I like I like his talk about um I like his talk about how uh, Jesus talked to crowds. Yeah. Like if he was going to talk to crowds and crowds and crowds of people, he'd have to shout and it would be so crazy and everyone would be listening and it just doesn't look right. Yeah, but it's a game of telephone, right? Because you're like, what did yeah. he say? Oh, he said this. But the fact that it's like 11 people at a time on screen and he's talking to like a hillside. By the way, did you see the bald guy? The guy that's kind of talking weird. You know that guy? No. Do you know who that was? Uh-uh. The old man on the side that was completely bald and it was like, I don't believe you. And his two sons, he's like, wait. You're not going with him, are you? And he goes, yeah, I want to go be a fisher of men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I that, remember the that scene. That bald guy, do you know who that is? No. That's Irvin Kirshner, director of The Big Chill and uh, – or excuse me, not The Big Chill. Excuse me, that's Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, Irvin Kirshner, director of The Empire Strikes Empire Back. Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yeah, that's huh. him, yeah. And this is like what, like eight years after he had made like Empire yeah. and probably was like – teaching at some point or whatever was, uh, was that in the book because i read the chapter i guess i didn't see that uh no 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 i just recognized him mm. i literally saw him and wait wait is that is that Irvin fucking kirschner that seems like, like something that scorsese would have written about though the... yeah <laughs> i feel like i'm weird. surprised that that's not in the book then it's just a super nerdy thing that i couldn't <laughs> help but share to my wife as she went uh-huh and cool. she's like oh Irvin kirschner got it <laughs> i Ah, yes, Irvin Kirshner, Ben, anyways. <laughs> anyway, so what are we having for dinner? <laughs> yeah. What you, yeah. What'd you make me, Ben? All right, will it's you like, please change your kid's diaper, please? Come on. Like, enough about Irvin She's like, Kirshner. yeah, Irvin Kirshner's I awesome. Need, I need uh, your help here, Dirty idiot. diaper over there. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I just thought that while there was – I thought that the imagery was mostly good. Like, I thought that there was yeah, stuff oh, like yeah. the the crown of thorns was, was really uh, – that was always the thing growing up. I was like, well, how fucking bad could that be? Like, it's a, yeah, it's going to poke you some, but you watched it in reality and you're like, holy shit, is that horrific? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that that imagery was really good. I thought that the, uh, some of the things that's weird is, is going along with the not going far enough is the sort of the way that they handled the cross stuff. To where I had always kind of wondered how they made a cross, I guess. Like, I didn't think that it was just one piece hammered through another piece. But I, I kind of, I don't know if it was, if it's the, uh, the passion of the Christ in me or, or what, but I thought it was going to be more brutal than it was. Oh, the, like the actual, the crucifixion. actual crucifixion. Okay. Because they have the other guys there and they're all, it's like a all, uh, well, let's not get a, Let's not get an X. You know, we can't show them naked. They've got to be hiding their modest. They've got to be modest, you know, and that kind of stuff. I was like, this is a story about like Christ, right? We can't have a freaking ding dong in the, in the goddamn movie. Yeah. Like I was was like, come on. It was just, it was just, I don't know. It 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 just felt like some half steps to where it didn't go far enough. Like, like we keep saying. 
Totally. Yeah, that's got to – I mean, that has to be it, right? Like, you need to be able to show a ton of people this film, especially, you know, religious people that want to go see this. Yeah, then make an edited version, you know? I I mean, this is a Criterion film. I mean, you can have several versions of it, but I was just like, what – yeah, fair enough. Okay, uh, you know, and and they do the things where you've got a piece of wood over the over the wrists, and they're doing that, and I was like, okay, that that looks terrible. Like they're, doing, oh, yeah. you know, that looks horrific. Yeah, that but was, then, that was hard. It, but then again, like it's not it's not focused on that. I guess it is. I mean, based on the title, it is focused on is he going to choose to be a normal human person and live out his life. Or is he going to choose, you know, to die on the cross and that sort of thing? So I get that, but I, but I just wished that uh, the crucifixion would have been more horrific, so it would have been a harder choice, you know. What it just seems some, like, well, this kind of sucks, yeah. and then he's dead. What about some? I know, I know, I'm kind of picking at it a little bit and saying like, well, what if the movie was something it wasn't? Yeah. But like, I almost kind of wish, like, yeah, it's fine that they showed the mysteries and the miracles and stuff like that, and him just going from place to place, and it just happening, you know. But like, I almost kind of like, I was, I was kind of fine with maybe starting with the crucifixion, and then maybe going throughout his life that he gets to have, you know, yes, like. Like that would almost be a, a more interesting, a more interesting uh, um, uh, uh, premise, I guess. Because uh-huh. um, do you remember? Okay, I'm gonna. Oh God, I'm so sorry, Eric. I'm about to get so nerdy on no, you. No, go ahead. Um, have you ever read the famous Alan Moore story? Um, oh, I have it right here. Hang on. It is called "For the Man Who Has For Everything." For the man who has everything. I it have. is the. For those who don't know, and most likely if you're probably listening to this, you probably do know about it. But The Man Who Has Everything is is an Alan Moore story. Uh, is Superman Annual 11 from 1985. And it's uh, drawn by uh, Dave Gibbons of Watchmen fame, of course, and also Alan Moore. And it is an alien plant that has been put onto Superman. And he gets to see this uh, parallel world of Krypton of what it would have been like had Krypton never perished and blew up and Superman got to grow up with his father and mother and got to see, uh, got to see his children and grow up and do all these things. And like, ultimately it's a, it's a villain's tactic to like give the person what they most deeply desire and what they want. And of course it's a temptation. It's, it's exactly. And Jesus is often, uh, or Superman is often compared to Jesus as a Christ figure and someone who, you know, ultimately has these powers and is among us. And we all believe in the, the Christ figure and the super, super figure and, you know, often saves us from evil and whatnot. And what's kind of interesting is watching the, the tortured Cal-El go through, um, seeing like the horrifying side of it, uh, and, and without giving too much about this one issue of a comic, um, <laughs> ends up, ends up having to, uh, 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 say goodbye to his children in this dream and stuff like that. And it's, it's quite upsetting and horrifying. I mean, it, it's not nearly as impactful as, as that, but like almost like we all know the story of Superman, right? Like we all know the basic stuff with mm-hmm. that comes but that comes with saying the word superman imagine if scorsese or or the the writer of that book had i should i should get the name of that writer but um but like imagine if 
like we know Jesus, we know the side stories and stuff like that. Imagine if you will, his last temptation is him. The movie starts with him dying on the cross, and then we go through what his life would have been had he had he been able to marry Mary Magdalene, had mm. he been able to have children with her, how he got to live a long life and stuff like that, and like how that weird twisted warping and then like glitches almost in like the system of of the matrix he's living in where he sees like Satan at certain points and like, uh, like the seams of, of the, of the temptation almost to where he's like not quite sure what he's looking at at first or something like how trippy that could have been and whatnot. I think I would have found that so much more compelling than just blatantly showing us, well, here's, here's the thing, you know, from the book of the Bible and it's interpreted with my, with my New York uh, accent and all that. Like, I'm just not, convinced enough by what's presented and maybe I'm presenting, maybe I'm just presenting a different film altogether, but that almost would have been like that, that latter half of the part of the film. I'm like kind of on the edge of my seat. I'm like, hello, I didn't hear this part of the Bible. Let's check out the sick of this. Like it was almost like I'm actually kind of compelled by the end of it um, to see where it goes to find out that he says no. And then, and says, I won't, I won't, I won't do it. I won't give in. And that's what, I mean, spoiler alert, that's what ends up happening in Superman 811. But like, <laughs> he, he rejects it, but knows it's a trick and stuff like that. And, and obviously like, but, but how compelling would that be, honestly? In Wait, terms so, of, so you're, you're advocating for a film called The Last Temptation of Christ to actually be about that. To, to actually be about that last temptation, because I, I do uh. think the, I do think the last temptation is in the film. I think it's oh, that yeah. last. It's in there, but it's, it, in there. it's in there, and it's buried under about two hours of other things. You gotta get you gotta get through that two hours of like, hey, remember the story about Jesus? Yes, we all know about yeah. Superman. Tell us about get to the point about where the last temptation comes in. That's way more interesting. So the lack and, of, and weird, the lack of specificity, the lack of specificity is what's going on is what's the trouble here to where it needed. To, and, and again, this is a criterion film. <laughs> this is very well regarded. But, I can understand. I can understand that. Yeah. But I can see a, it. a story that is more to my uh, sensibilities would be much more, um, I think trippy is a word that we've used, but a, a much more surreal. It is much more about the actual temptation and it is less about setting up who Christ is. It's less about the stories of Lazarus and water wine and going to see different people at different times, blah, blah, blah. It should be about the actual last temptation of him being human and what is his life there like there and, and, you know, the, the sort of, um, again, it, it kind of falls back into that somewhat of a trap of, okay, we know it's about this. We, we know as the audience that this isn't real. So eventually he's going to figure it out. Right. So that would have a formula as well. But at two hours and 45 minutes, I felt like there was large chunks of this that didn't need to be in there. And you're losing patience too, to, to one of your, to, to, to like the, the the cream of the, the that's rising up to the top is is the te- you want you're there that's why you're there the, the, mm-hmm. you're there for the last temptation you're there to see yeah you know, show me what, what you're gonna do then yeah if you're yeah, gonna do and, this on film then show me you yeah know? and 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 the the price to do it it's almost like just skip the first two I'm really kind of just saying skip the first two hours <laughs> and just get to the crucifixion part because right. his capture 
his capture and his, despite the great John the Baptist scene and all that stuff like yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. Get, and, and even some really cool parts with, with Judas, um, skip a lot of that and just get straight to the capture and crucifixion because what's, what's kind of great about the last temptation is it's, it's the part that you haven't seen yet. It's a pot boiler. You're waiting, not, maybe not pot boilers kind of implies that it's a, it's a little bit less exciting, but I'm saying, you're waiting for the moment to drop where he goes, this isn't, this isn't what I'm seeing. It's the moment where Superman goes, this is a simulation. I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a world where this isn't true at all. And so I, I, once again, way more compelling and kind of a missed opportunity. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like tug on, uh, Paul Schrader's cape, you know, or something like that. You know, I'm not trying yeah, to be yeah, like, yeah. Not he's to only be... done, he's only done this in Taxi Driver. I mean, and First Reformed, by the way, which oh is a great God, movie. First Reformed is so good. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's why I think I was so excited to watch this film because yeah. I knew, I knew I love Taxi Driver and First Reformed. And I knew these two individuals working on this would have made it somewhat interesting. And it was, it was, I really, well, really not trying we've to still got bringing movie. out the dead to look forward to. Oh man. Oh, is that, is that also Schrader? Uh-huh. Nice. Well, I'm in, I mean, seriously, I, I will, I'm just, it's fun. This is this, even, even, uh, I was about to say passion of the Christ. Oh my gosh. Last temptation. <laughs> even passion of the Christ by the great Mel Gibson. Everyone. Yes. The, the great, great. even handed Mel Gibson who never says yes. anything wrong ever. He's never ever said anything wrong as, uh, as far as I've heard. And, what? Uh, a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the latest controversy is him in that in that fucking Santa movie. I really <laughs> think I really think uh, he understands women. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and, and and what they want. What an absolute piece of work. <laughs> Jeez, brutal. Mel <laughs> Gibson. How, uh... Shalom, 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 Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Shalom, Shalom, really. Shalom, Shalom to you. Anyway, so, so how would you rank these? Let's, let's, uh, let's get oh, down man. to it. Okay. So, Ben Teed and his ranking, his mysterious ranking system, how would you, I got uh... him, I got him a lot lower, uh, but I will say, let me think here. I put, uh, let's see, passion, or, oh my god. Um, last temptation. I'm trying to get this all ranked into. Oh, I've, I've got it ranked. I'll tell you mine while go you're figuring it, it out. You so my lowest film was Boxcar Bertha, right? Okay. Yes. And then yep. the next film that I have less than a three is The Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because go. it was such a frustrating experience with it being so not about what it said it was going to be about to me. And, and so then I've got, uh, New York, New York, Alex doesn't live here, then Color of Money, and then After Hours, King of Comedy, Mean Streets, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. So that's in reverse I, order. I have my highest, or well, my lowest ranking one. Technically, it's not one we talked about, but it's the big yeah, shade. Yeah, I, I skipped the ones that we haven't talked about yet. And so, and so by that, by going by just the show, it's Boxcar Bertha as well. Uh-huh. Um, Color of Money it would be the next one up from Boxcar Bertha at okay. three. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think I've ever gone below regular old three. <laughs> I think, I think, I think Big Shave, I think Big Shave is is maybe like two and a half or two or something like that. Okay. And it's just such a, it's so hard to watch. It really is. It's like, and I think that's the point, but man. Um, and then I got last temptation at three and a half, but that sits with 
Last Waltz, uh, which sorry we didn't talk about that on the on the podcast, but um, Raging Bull, mm-hmm. Last Citation, uh, What's a Nice Girl Like You Doing in a Place Like This? Who's that knocking at my door? New York, New York. They're all three and a halfs. Okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like. These just are good. okay, yeah. Eh, that's it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Like it's one for them kind of thing. But this totally does not. I can say that about this film. This is not one for them. This was one for. Oh, this is a. This is like the Uber one for him. That's why He's, I was so surprised that it had. I felt like it had so little to say. Sure, sure. I just exactly. didn't get it. It, it. I think that might be kind of part of our problem with this. We might have built it up too much. Yeah. as possible. Could be. Um, I still have Taxi Driver at the top, which is weird. <laughs> because, because I think I like After Hours. Well, no, Taxi. Eh, yeah. King of Comedy too is great, and I have that one near the top as well. So those are still, those are still super strong. Yeah, I'm very predictable, and then I have Taxi Driver, and then Raging Bull. Like the, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, fair enough. Yeah, no, like I said t- Raging Bull is surprisingly a lot lower for me, yeah. and I, and I, it's, it, I think it's just at the time I was watching it, or. You know, maybe how it made me feel the first time. I bet if I gave it another shot, I bet yeah. it would rank high. I mean, that, I, I think that's part it. of what we said, right? Was uh, maybe in a different mindset or different uh, whatever, whatever you might uh, think differently, but it didn't hit you at the time, and that's fine. I'm gonna make sure I catch some. It's hard to find, but New York Stories isn't really streaming anywhere. I probably have to, uh, probably have to, and I can't get it at the library, so I'll probably have to pop that one in. Uh, or I'll probably have to. Uh, go to prime or something like that to, to watch to find New York stories. Yeah. But, uh, we got, who do we got next? Uh, next, next I'll tell you at the end of this episode, is there oh, anything okay. else about, uh, about either one of these films, Mr. T that oh, you wanted to mention? Just one more thing. Um, I want to leave the, the discussion about, um, last temptation of Christ with yeah. this really great quote from the very end of the chapter. Oh uh, yeah. Chapter tell me. Um, uh, let me see here. Um, when I th- when I think about it, I say, well, maybe that's the thing to do. That's the way you should be. But maybe prayer is really dealing with what you have in the home, dealing with your family, how you raise your children, how you relate to your wife. Maybe that's what prayer really is in the modern world. However, I still find these remarkable men who go on spiritual request, spiritual quests very romantic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's interesting because I think the more and more as you know, this is a little personal for me and i don't mind sharing it i don't mind being extremely open about my spirituality but i do kind of believe that that taking the lord's name in vain isn't necessarily saying oh my god Mm. it's not necessary which is what i was always taught as a child Mm -hmm. i think taking the lord's name in vain is using is using god's name and i grew up christian but do i believe in god i mean i don't know i don't know but mm-hmm. I do know that when you use it's it is definitely wrong to use God's name to your advantage in that way that is skeevy and 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 terrible in all the ways that we've talked about for years and and everyone's talked about for years and is being used today right now and then you turn on the news and you'll see something like that you know you see someone wrongfully using their religion to 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 get to be, yeah to be a snake oil salesman or a huckster yeah. or something and yeah. I. Th- I think what's true, true, uh, spirituality and true, uh, uh, faithfulness and true, um, goodness and the way that we talk about a character like Christ is kind of the same way that Scorsese talks about prayer. And that's, 
being good to yourself, being good to your wife, being good to your to your children, and 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 that's how we can pray in the modern world. That's how we can be better. I think um, the concept I've heard I've heard it talked about on a, a couple other podcasts, and a, a particular podcaster um, say that movies are prayers Ah, in in general. And and I've read part of the book and I, I totally kind of subscribe to the idea that our modern way of praying and our modern way of hoping and our modern way of wishing for, for different outcomes of stuff uh, and, and, and ways to calm ourselves down is movies Mm. in some ways. Um, There's a huge power that I think in cinema as a religion, and I think Scorsese understands it probably the most out of all of us. He's the one that studied probably the longest in our in our world today. Um, he's the biggest uh, uh, proprietor of getting people to come to quote church in the cinema and get people to come back and put their butts in the seats and take this in uh, in in a you know he he's the one that is pushing for the religious experience of all of us sitting in a in a in a, in a room together and experiencing this together and hearing our gasps and hearing our, our laughter and hearing our, our reactions together, uh, as, as people. And yeah, our world right now is in shambles. And also we really want to get back to the way it will be, but it's changed forever because of events. And, and maybe one day we will get to sit in that same room together. But until then, all we have is kind of the hope of cinema and examples from cinema that help us that transport us across time and space and all that, you know, corny, fun stuff. But I'm just saying in general, I, I see what he's saying and I see the power behind that. And, and I think that, 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 that feeling of cinema and that feeling of, of movies, regardless of whether or not it's schlock or if it's this great masterpiece or something like that, there's always power there and there's always something to take away no matter what, no matter, and no matter who you are, if you're a good person or an evil person or, or whatever, I think, I think that there's, there's power within that. And I think most cinephiles understand that. I think that's kind of what makes them cinephiles. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I know that, uh, you know, for me, whenever there's, uh, like when I, I mean, I've talked all about, about this a lot, but whenever I had not great times when I was teaching or something and would have anxiety or panic attacks or whatever and, and sought out counselors and medication and all that sort of thing, the thing that I could go to was movies. Yes, and, yeah. and it was a thing where it's like, okay, well, I know for this two hours, I can just sit and be fine. Right. I don't have to think about, what I have to this do tomorrow is, and who I have to see and what I have to deal with. I can just be okay in my space for this right. runtime. You're, right? you're, you're in this world for now yeah. and you'll return to the world that you're from, but for now you're in this world yeah. and you're safe and you're going to be okay. And you're going to just go through this and learn about something new or get taken off on a spaceship or go on a train or go on a quest or something. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get brought right back and you're going to go back to your life. And yeah, that's the power of story. That's the power of cinema and stuff like that. But also I also, to go along with your experience of that, of, of like being able to calm yourself down using that prayer of cinema. Like there's also this one. I don't think I've ever had an experience inside of someone else's church. And I would say someone else's church because I've never belonged to a church where I felt like it was mine. I never felt like the, the, I always felt like, well, this is my mom and dad's church. Uh, this is, okay. this is, this is where I, this is where I go to please them. 
They're the ones that brought me into this world. They're the ones that are responsible for my upbringing. I know it takes a village, but, but also, you know, I'm, I'm, they're my biggest influences and I'm going to listen to them and, and I'm going to sit here with them and enjoy whatever it is that the, the sermon is. But I've never felt this like fulfilling thing, this religious experience of fulfillment and spiritual fulfillment, walking away, just ah, having a nice big sigh about, wow, that was a mm-hmm. really, I've never had that in a church, but I've had that in the cinema. I absolutely. absolutely have had that. And everyone that's in, everyone that's probably been on your show has had that yeah. uh, experience and that feeling of like, I just feel so good. I just feel so fulfilled. I feel so spiritually renewed. That's what people talk about when they come out of the church sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I always felt jealous of those people. I've always felt like, well, I'm, I've never never had that feeling coming out of church, yeah. but that's because I've always felt like it was someone else's. It was always my mom's or it was always my dad's or something like that. I never had anything for me. And then I went to the movies one time and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, and it happens in different films. It happens for, in different ways for different prayers. Mm-hmm. It happens in, you know, and that's why I truly believe that, that like that mentality of it all and stuff and, and the power behind it and, and what it could mean. Yes, I know. Captain America punched, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man again or whatever. And, and that's, and I get it. And, but to yeah. someone that, that means something and to someone oh, that, I mean, that's, power, that's powerful as a kid, absolutely. you know, you're watching two, two apostles argue or something. It's like watching Jesus fight Moses or something. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. Like, yeah. like, you know, it's powerful to, to some, to some minds. And, you know, I, I realized the irony of using a Marvel film during a Scorsese talk, but that's what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of part of it. But anyways. <laughs> that's right. That is right. Yes. So anything else, Mr. Teed? No, I got to end it there because that's that. I can't do better than that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds very good to me. All right. So if you have any comments, suggestions, or uh, another uh, writer director that you'd like Ben and I to talk about, you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail. Dot com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at PlainLabelPod, where you can follow me over there. I am at EricWilliams79, which is my date of birth, my year of birth, which is not 88, which is appalling. <laughs> and that is Ben's, like he had admitted earlier. That is my youngest sister's uh, year of birth. And I always child. think of her as being just a small little thing. So anyway, not uh, not compared to the the great and wonderful Mr. Benteet. We also have an Instagram account that you can follow. Just search for Plain Label Podcast and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out our show, you can check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. And we have all kinds of stuff over there. We have, uh, oh, let's see. I had to get a car because of an accident we were involved in. So I got some license plates holders you could get me. Uh, I've got the horror edition of Trivial pursuit over there that you could get me i got all kinds of fun stuff over there so you could check that out if you wanted to help out the show i do want to thank mr teed for coming on once again if people wanted to hear more from you maybe via somewhere else or get in contact with you where could they do that Social media these days, it's all Twitter and it's all Letterboxd and it's all at Ben Teed. And thank you for having me too. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. All right. So thank you for listening. And you can join us next week when Ben and I take a look at the films Goodfellas and Cape Fear.
through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Kitchen door. You better not 